You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Welcome, welcome to the Matt Walsh Podcast. Thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for being here. So I want to do something a little different um, with this podcast. I want to respond to an email that I received. Now, um, this usually if I respond to an email that I'm just, it's just, a, it, it's someone who I'm arguing with and I'm yelling at them for being wrong about something. I'm going to switch it up a little bit this time. As fun as that is, I'm going to switch it up a little bit this time around. And uh, I, I, this one really jumped out of me because I get this kind of thing a lot where somebody will message me and they'll say, hey, um, you know, I, I retweeted or I shared one of your articles and I was absolutely attacked by it. And I was disowned by my family and, and uh, b- uh, abandoned by, by my friends and all these things. Uh, and I always feel kind of bad about that because I don't want to cause this sort of trouble for people. But at the same time, I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel bad because this is, you know, if, someone, if I write something and someone shares it, then what they're saying is, you know, uh, this person doesn't speak for me 100%, but this, this sort of uh, communicates my own feeling on the matter. So they're sort of, it's, 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 a, it's not just me taking a stand or voicing my opinion. It's if someone shares it, they're, they're voicing their own opinion as well. Um, which is, that's what I, I want to be able to do is kind of give voice to um, a perspective that's out there that I, don't think is, that I don't think is represented. So I got an email like that, but this time it's a little bit different because it involves a, a 15-year-old uh, a girl and it's her mom reaching out to me. But I'm going to, I'll read the email and I'll take out names and any kind of identifying characteristic other than the girl's age. So that way she's still anonymous and I'm not opening her up to more abuse. Um, but then we can all still benefit in some ways from, from having this conversation. So this is what the, um, the email said. It said, hi, Matt, my family and I enjoy your writings and follow you on Facebook and Twitter. Our 15-year-old daughter retweeted your article about the transgender boy demanding to be allowed to use the girl's bathroom at his school and how that's a form of abuse. Uh, and people went to their keyboards and called her, the 15-year-old daughter, every name you can think of, transphobic, gay hater, mean. They made memes uh, making fun of her. We talked her through this and have taught our children to think deeply and love Jesus and love others. She encounters this hostile attitude from liberals at her school, her first year in public school. She was homeschooled before this. These liberals call for tolerance but will not tolerate another's opinion or point of view. We explained to her that Jesus said we will be persecuted for our public belief slash uh, faith. She's gotten lots of messages full of hate, calling her Christianity intolerant, mean, non-factual. My reason for contacting you is to ask you, uh, we know you're busy, to maybe reply to this message with a word of encouragement to our daughter. She has been sad all week per our request and her not wanting to read any more hateful comments towards her. She has removed herself from Twitter and is not on Facebook. We asked her if she regrets retweeting your article. She said no. She said she's entitled to her opinion, backed by scripture, and sees their pro-transgender articles all the time and does not respond in hate or anger. She cannot understand why people cannot have healthy conversations about subjects. She looks up to you, and it would lift her spirits to hear an encouraging word from you. Um, So, okay. It's terrible that people are treated this way, but this is what I'll say to to the... uh, daughter whose name I'll omit. Uh, First of all, thank you for sharing my article. Uh, I I am sorry that it caused you this much grief, but I can't say I'm surprised. 
because it seems each new generation falls kind of further into this godless insanity that we call liberalism, which means that you're going to have it harder than I did. And in fact, uh, I was your age only 15 years, only 15 years ago, which is, which is a, a depressing sentence. And, but I went to school in a very liberal area. You know, I don't know where you go to school, but I went to, I went to 12 years of public school. Um, and it was a liberal area. And yet even then, 15 years ago, which really isn't that long ago in the grand scheme, things like transgenderism, for instance, hardly existed. Certainly to whatever extent it did exist, you could at least have differing opinions on the subject without being eaten alive by the heathen hordes. But things have regressed significantly and rapidly. And what I mean is, even when I was in school, you know, transgenderism really wasn't a thing. But it was still a very, it was a very liberal school. And uh, if I uh, voiced an opinion that was outside of the liberal mainstream, I was attacked, much like you are. But it's gotten worse, and I recognize that. And I think a lot of parents have to recognize what it's like. Um, that doesn't mean they can necessarily do anything about it in the sense that, you know, if you have to go to public school, if your parents can't homeschool, then that's, then that's, uh, that's the way it is. But I think a lot of parents don't realize really how bad it is out there and what sort of environment their kids are going to be in. So things have regressed uh, significantly, rapidly, and we're now at a point where, you know, Bruce Jenner can put on some makeup and a skirt and a bunch of young guys will take to social media to prove their progressive bona fides by fainting over how beautiful he is. Now, when I was in high school, a boy would have been severely teased not that I'm saying this was the right way, but he would have been, you know, if I was a 16-year-old high school boy back when I went to school, and I would gotten up and gushed about the sexiness of an old man in drag, I would have been uh, mocked for it. But now, you're mocked if you don't gush about this old man in drag. So times are changing quickly, and, and not for the better. Transgenderism is, of course, just one example. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed that if you fail to toe the secular mainstream line on any subject, transgenderism, gay marriage, abortion, religion, etc., you'll be ostracized and castigated. This is, this is probably especially the case for you because um, it's just automatically assumed that young women of all people will have the right, quote-unquote right, read left-wing, opinion about things. And when you defy those expectations, because that's what you're doing, you're defying expectations, which is a great thing and a bold thing and a courageous thing. Uh, and an exciting thing in some ways. But when you do that, people become scared and they're, they're very confused. Uh, and when people are scared and confused, they lash out. So here's the thing. I can tell you um, that it's going to get better. I can tell you that, but, I, but that wouldn't be honest. It wouldn't be honest for me to say that because I, I can tell you that I hope it will get better. But I'd be lying if I said that I think it will. So you've been homeschooled, which is, which is awesome. But now you're discovering that the love, support, Christian values, devotion to truth, Christ-centered lifestyle so present and alive in your family is increasingly an abnormality in our culture. In the minds of many of your peers and in the minds of many of my peers, it's more of a mutation. It's a, it's a pestilence. It's a, something that needs to be cured or eradicated, a disease. And as long as you remain outspoken and public about your faith and your views, particularly as they pertain to sacred cow social issues, uh, you, you will never be popular. You, you'll be loved by some, the important ones, like your family and your close friends, but you'll be hated by many more. You may wish 
that you could at least have a healthy conversation with your ideological opponents. But as you've seen, very few people, this is the sad reality, very few people are interested in having a conversation. To engage an opposite point of view, that takes guts. You know, that takes integrity. That takes maturity. That takes empathy. And it just so happens that these four traits, five traits, how many did I list? Anyway, uh, uh, these traits, along with chastity, have long been listed on the endangered virtues list. Um, and, and you noticed that when you tried to voice a challenging and politically incorrect opinion, you were simply labeled, belittled, and shut down. This is because you threatened the rigid ideological conformity that our culture is set up to maintain at any cost. They're not interested in having a conversation with you. You refused to goose step along with the rest of the parade and everyone else just did their did what they're programmed to do. Not engage you in a rigorous intellectual debate, but simply to shout abuse at you until you fall back in line and continue on marching down the hill and over the cliff. And, and, I, and, and that's the way it is. And I know that I'm, I'm painting a, a bleak picture. But that doesn't mean that you should be discouraged or that any of us should be discouraged. Um, so as you hopefully continue, whether you decide to continue sharing my articles, that's irrelevant. But hopefully you continue to upset the established order. You continue to be countercultural. And as you continue in, in your own way, in whatever way, and as you continue to do that, just, just keep a few things in mind. Uh, first of all, I, I know this might, I don't know how this is going to seem, but, but uh, this is very important. Remember, remember that you're right. Always remember that. Remember that you're right. You know, truth is a powerful thing, and you have the truth on your side. Now, let me clarify. That doesn't mean that uh, you're, you're always right about everything that you think. That doesn't mean that you should be arrogant or prideful. But if you are oriented towards pursuing the truth, if you are oriented towards, uh, towards God, uh, towards your faith in Christ, then that, that is the right thing. You say, that's, that's right. And if you always measure everything against the truth, the objective truth, against Christ's commands, against Scripture, against your faith, if you always measure everything against that, then you're doing the right thing, always. Now, you could, you could still come to some wrong conclusions because you're not omnipotent. But more often than not, if you're applying your principles and you're applying your faith to the situation, particularly when we're talking about these moral situations, okay? I'm not talking about, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to, how to, uh, how to uh, repair your, your microwave, that you can necessarily use your moral convictions to do it. That's different. Then you need to look up a, uh, or, you know, I can't fix anything. I, I just call somebody. Maybe you should do that. But when it comes to moral issues, if you're applying your principles, which are grounded in objective truth, natural law, your faith in Christ, um, then, then you know that you're, that you're oriented the right way all the time. And more often than not, that you're going to come to the right conclusions. Because more often than not, these, these issues are, are actually much more simple than they're made out to be. You know, you take transgenderism, for instance. Uh, when you get down to the basics of it, it's a simple issue, which is that we are made male and female, and uh, we are body and soul united, not, not, not in competition with one another, and that's how God made us. And you have men and you have women, and if you're, if you're a man with man parts, then you have a man's soul. If you're a woman with woman parts, you have a woman's soul. And that's who you are. That's all there is to it. There is no transitioning into something else. There is no identifying as something else. 
You are what you are. That's a very simple concept. And it's a concept that for, you know, thousands and thousands of years up until, as I said in that piece that you shared, up until about 17 seconds ago, it's a concept that everyone understood. And, 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 they, and so everybody was right about it. It's only now with a small minority of people deciding to be wrong and deciding to, deciding to foist that wrongness onto the rest of us. So you're right. It's a simple issue. Now, the, when you get into issues like moral culpability... Okay, you want to talk about how morally culpable is, say, a quote-unquote transgender person when they, when they decide to, uh, you know, mutilate themselves or they decide to try to identify as another, as another gender. You, you know, that's different. That's a more complicated issue. But we're not talking about that because we can't look inside someone's, someone's heart, someone's soul. We're just talking about the basic right and wrong of a situation. So remember that. You're right. And take, take solace in that. Now, as I said, not pride because it's not... You know, you didn't invent the truth. The truth is not yours. You don't own it. It's just something that has been given to us. It's a gift. The truth is a gift. It's a, it's a reality. That, it's a beautiful reality that, that, that God has provided. And he's also given us the capacity to see it. He's made it, you know, extremely obvious in most cases. And so for the fact that we see the truth, which is right there in front of us, that's not something we should find pride in. We shouldn't be egotistical about it. And that's the problem with people who run around and say, Ah, oh, I'm right about everything. Well, even if you are, and a lot of the times those people aren't right about everything or really anything, but even if they are usually right, they, they, have no, they have no right to be so proud of it because that's just, we are called to notice the truth and to speak. But we should still take solace in that because that is a, that is a beautiful and good thing. Truth is a beautiful and good thing. And there's nothing, in the end, there's nothing more important than truth because God is truth. There's nothing more important than truth. It is, it is the entire reason why we exist. It is the force that brought us into existence, and it is the, the force that sustains us, and it is what we're pursuing in life, and it's where we're heading. You know, it's where we came from. It's where we're going. It's everything. Truth is everything. And so, and so we should never sacrifice uh, the truth for any reason, for any reason. And there are many people, even overseas right now, who are losing their lives for truth, who are being killed for truth. And even though that's a terrible tragedy... In some ways, we take, uh, you know, we take heart in the fact that, you know, here's this truth that is so essential, so important, that people are dying for it and have, you know, ever since the beginning of time. People are dying for it. And so we know that, okay, we, you know, we are clinging on to something that is truly important. And it's worth taking the abuse over, frankly. Second thing is remember... Um, and I don't have to dwell on this because your, your mom already said, remember that Christ guaranteed persecution. I think uh, that's one of those Bible verses, like so many others. Well, pretty much no Bible verse is popular anymore. You know, they're all, uh, the only popular one is the one that says, don't judge anyone ever. But the thing is that Bible verse doesn't exist. So the only uh, Bible verse that's popular is the one that doesn't exist. And all the rest aren't. But particularly this one about, you know, you will be persecuted in my name. And, 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 and we should rejoice in that persecution. Because we know that, that it comes to us because of our closeness to Christ. It's when the culture turns around and starts patting us on the back, starts congratulating us. That's when we should, should be wary. That's when we should be afraid. And if we ever realize that we have 
because we're afraid of the persecution, uh, that we have abandoned Christ for the sake of those pats on the back, that's when we find a deep despair. And we all make that mistake sometimes. I've made that mistake. You know, hopefully we don't turn it into a lifestyle. Hopefully it doesn't become a permanent choice. But, it, you know, in, in moments of weakness, we might say, look, I'd rather, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer these comments. I don't want to suffer these sideways glances. So I'm going to just endorse the popular opinion for the sake of it. We've all done that at times. And when we realize what we've done, you know, when we, when we start getting those pats on the back and people start saying to us, oh, good for you. Then we, and, and we look at what we've just turned away from, which is Christ. Then we start to feel this deep despair because we realize how hollow these pats in the back really are. They're just, these are just people that are happy that we validated their own delusions. They don't actually love us. They're, they're not really congratulating us for accomplishing anything. Quite the opposite. They love us because we reflect their sin back to them. Or we, 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 we reflect their desires back to them. So it's a very hollow thing. Third, uh, remember that we are, particularly as young Christians, we are the counterculture. We have been selected for this challenge in this time and place, in this day and age, uh, for a reason, because we're, we're supposed to be the warriors. So we, unfortunately, are not inheriting a culture that is already uh, centered around God. Far from it. We're inheriting a culture that has rejected God. A long time ago. The process started a long time ago. Arguably, it started hundreds of years ago and was sped up and exacerbated, you know, in the 60s and so on. But that all aside, we are inheriting a culture that is that uh, that rejects God. Now, this is a this is a, a bad thing. And many souls have been lost in the meantime. So it's a bad thing. But we are called to always find uh, joy in our challenges. Never joy in our sin. There's no joy to be found there. But to find joy in, in the challenges that are presented to us. So this is a great challenge to inherit this culture and then turn it back to God. But we can find some joy in that challenge. Uh, certainly find a, a lot of purpose in it. And part of the advantage is that, um, you know, as a 15-year-old, me even at the age of 29, um, and I think I'm still a young person. I think I still get to qualify as a young person. But we are inherently, you know, rebellious. And we have this urge. It's sort of, it's sort of ingrained in us to question the things around us and to fight. You know, we are we, all the rebels and the revolutionaries throughout history, the good and the bad ones, uh, were, almost all of them were young. Whether they were teenagers or 20-somethings or early 30s, you know, almost all of them are young. And so there's something in us. Now, that, that instinct can be used for ill. And you look at the, uh, the revolutionaries, the counterculturists of the 60s. Well, that was an instinct that was used for ill. But for us, we can use it for good. And so that's a very exciting thing. There's nothing exciting or fresh or unique or cool or hip or anything about just inheriting the, the status quo, which is what so many of your friends are doing, unfortunately. They're just very, you know, just with dead eyes, with a, with a, with a, with a, with a, a blank stare like sheep. They're just going along with the, with the tide of culture. Whereas you're standing there and you're questioning it and you're, and you're saying, no, I cannot go along. I cannot follow. I'm going to walk a different path. 
I'm going to walk a path that is not my own path, but it's Christ's path. And it's very different than the one that the, all these people are walking. And again, we shouldn't take pride in that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be arrogant about it. But uh, that is something that we can see as a great challenge and even an exciting challenge. Um, the, the, the fourth thing, the final thing I would say to keep in mind, and this is going to sound very corny, I know, but it's true. You know, and it's something that I always have to try to remind myself and remember is that, uh, is that God loves us. And like I said, I know it's, remember, God loves you. Well, well, he does, though. He does, though. And, it's, and that's a, that obviously is, is, is beyond everything, is the primary thing that we should find comfort in, is that God loves us, and he loves us even if we're sinning, you know, even if we're doing the wrong thing, but he always loves us. But he loves us, and when we stand for his sake, and when we endure uh, persecution and insults for his sake, he loves what we're doing. God loves us when we sin, but he doesn't love that we're sinning. He hates that we are. He hates that we are sinning, but he loves us. When we stand for him, he loves us and he loves what we're doing. And he, you know, he has he has our back, as you might say. He we we he is on our side, and that's that's the the precarious and dangerous thing about sinning is that we're walking away. You know, we, we are walking away from God's side. We're, we're not on God's side when we sin god is still on our side you know he's still he's still pulling for us trying to pull us back to the right path but he's not going to follow us into sin we have rejected him and walked away from him um, and he wants us to come back and he's trying to pull us back but when we stand by him when we're on his side that's a very strong place to be and that is ultimately the winning place that is the place that ultimately will win and that's where we're standing and so we are covered by the love of god and that is a great beautiful thing and sometimes because I'm, because I'm, I'm weak and I'm cowardly and I'm selfish, I, I, I struggle sometimes to find comfort in the fact that, and I realize that God loves us, but sometimes I, I struggle to find comfort in that for some reason. But um, because maybe in my, in my sinful state, I care more about other things, you know. But in the end, I know that God loves, God's love covers us. Now, I don't know how much, how encouraging any of that really is. I'm sure it's a bunch of platitudes that you've heard a thousand times, but... Um, but what can I say? It's the best I can do. And I just want to say the last thing is I understand, you know, people say to me all the time, you're like, you know, how do you put up with or tolerate all the, uh, the backlash that you get and everything? And I understand, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's not that I'm courageous or something, but for me, it's not as bad as it is for you. And I realize that, you know, when you endure those, those insults and those attacks, it's worse for you than it is for me. And it's not because I'm older or because I'm a guy and you're, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just because for me, this is what I do for a living and people expect it, you know, people expect it. You get to a point where it's just what people, people expect from me to, to say these things. And, and, uh, and part of that expectation means that I have a whole lot of great people who are on my side and are, and are very nice, always encouraging me. And so for every voice saying, oh, you're a terrible person, there's another voice, if not two voices, saying no, and many times saying very nice things that I don't deserve either. But the point is, they're there, they have my back. This is a sort of a, you know, I'm living in this world where these things are expected. Um, but for you, when you go out on that limb, for one thing, you're not going to have 100,000 people there uh, cheering you on or encouraging you. You're going to feel like you're very alone. Now, you're not alone. Because we're all on your side, all Christians, all people that stand for truth. We're all on, on your side, even if we don't know you. And God is on your side, as I said, which is the most important thing. And your parents are on your side. 
but and your close friends are on your side. But you're gonna feel like you're not gonna you're not gonna have that vocal support all the time, like I do. So that's why I sometimes have it easier, honestly, and I realize that. And I also realize that when I say something, even the people that want to attack me, you know, they say, Oh, well, there's Matt Walsh just saying what he says again. And the fact that it's become this kind of brand for me, which is not what I set out to do, but it's just inevitable. That becomes this brand, like, oh, you know, and everyone who's a, who writes or is a blog or whatever, pundit, a commentator, you know, I hate all these terms, but I guess I'm those things. And, you know, eventually you become a brand, even if you don't want to be. And when you become a brand, then in some ways it lessens your effectiveness. And there's not a lot you can do about it. It's just people say, well, you know, that's Matt's just saying what he says. That's that's what he says. Comes to gay marriage. He's against it. That's what he says. People are still upset. I like to think I'm still reaching people and doing some good. That's what I'm trying to do, like we're all trying to do. But I realize that the effect in this is diminished when it becomes a brand. You see what I'm saying? But for you, it's not a brand. You're just a person out there. And people expect something very different from you just based on who you are and you know, your, your demographics and everything. So when you speak out, yeah, the backlash is like really severe. But you're in a position to really do even more good than I can do, even if you speak to less people. Because they're so startled by it, and they don't expect it. And, you're, and you are, you are uh, defying all these stereotypes. And that, again, is a great thing that you should be very encouraged by. So I admire you know, your courage in that, in that respect. All right? Okay. Pep talk over. Um, that's going to do it for me, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to, to this edition of the podcast. I'll talk to you next week. Have a, a safe, uh, great weekend. Uh, Kuche Salus. Godspeed, everybody.